feel like past three months we haven't been able to be ourselves. And I don't think just us, I think everyone around us, but but we'll get better. For three months, restaurant dining rooms have been closed in Massachusetts, leaving many chefs and restaurateurs either trying to get by with takeout and delivery or waiting out the worst of the coronavirus surge entirely. Now they're open again, but with major restrictions. I'm talking to chefs around the Boston area about the dish they've missed serving the most and how coronavirus has affected their lives and their restaurants. From NBC10 Boston, I'm your host, Shira Stoll. This is The Dish I Miss. Today, we're hearing from Leo Keka, owner of Alba in Quincy Center. Alba's known for its dry-aged steaks, its fresh seafood and a long wine list, and a huge roof deck with a fresh vegetable garden and a bar. Leo was also in the process of creating a second restaurant called Alba on 53 in Hanover when the coronavirus hit. After the shutdown, Alba stayed open for takeout and delivery, but Leo said he was making almost no profit and kept the restaurant open to keep the staff employed. Now that dining is open again, he said he's seeing about 75% of his profits coming back. He is also back on track to opening his second restaurant in the next few weeks. Leo grew up in communist Albania, where he escaped in 1990 at age 21 to find a better life. After he was settled in the U.S., he couldn't find a job in New York, so he came to Boston a year later. He worked as a dishwasher, then he waited tables at Legal Seafoods and other restaurants. He opened Alba in 2001, just after 9-11. I spoke to Leo a few days before Phase 2 reopening began and caught up with him recently to see how he's been adjusting to the new guidelines. Stick around for the end of the episode to hear about Leo's life in Albania and how his restaurant is doing now. Is there a dish that you miss the most and why did you choose it? One of the things we really like here a lot is the pork chop. Believe it or not, our pork chop is probably one of the best selling dishes in our restaurant. We are a steakhouse, prime steaks and a fresh sea- a local seafood. But our pork chop people call all the time for takeout. It's a thick piece, double cut pork chop is about two inch thick with two bones in. It's like a bone in pork chop and um, mustard seeds, apple vinaigrette sauce, and Brussels sprouts. What we do with that sauce is we get our local farms, our apples. We braise the apples with mustard seeds and uh, red wine vinaigrette, and uh, we make we cook it for six hours. And we put this mustard seeds and red wine cider vinaigrette on top of it. And and then we serve it with some Brussels sprouts as well. So I, I miss making that. I miss trying that and eating that myself. Is there a backstory for it? How did you start making the pork chop? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we use this company in Boston who source our pork out of western Massachusetts. This farmer has this special pork, which is, I'm not sure how to spell that, but I know it's called majolita which is a uh, pork bread from Hungarian. And growing up as a kid, as a, as a Northern Albanian poor kid, we used to have majolica pig. So when I heard that word majolica pig in Western Massachusetts, I was very happy about it. So we have this uh, uh, great double cut pork chop, which is probably like three thick inch. So no one has ever, you know, when you tell somebody you ordered a pork chop, the best thing about it is you, you, a lot of people grew up with pork chops, dry meat, uh, their mother used to make them, and they're not really excited about the pork chop. 
the minute they ordered this, it's like, wow, that's not what I was expecting. And then next thing you know, it just became like a, one of the things where people come in all the time for the pork chop. That's one of my favorite dishes. And then my brother makes his uh, grilled octopus, which is we haven't made in three months. Octopus has become everybody's dish now. It's just like, but we're doing something a little different. So what we do is we braise it with red wine and garlic and season all night. And then instead of a boil it, a lot of places are doing it. Like what we do, we have created a steam table, which is we steam it for, for six hours. And the octopus becomes a little crunchy and not chewy. Little crunchy, but very soft, very delicious. Right now, we're doing it with a couscous salad with the festa vinaigrette. We go through a lot of octopus people. I actually been calling about octopus every single week since we closed the restaurant. Are you going to bring that back? Are you going to bring that back? We love octopus. A lot of people, I was very fun by the fact, you know, people didn't think of a lot about octopus. Now I'm like surprised every single day. People who never tried octopus, now they love octopus. So it's been a lot of dishes. So it helps a lot as well. A lot of dishes in Boston, a lot of restaurants in Boston. So people get a little bit better palate of trying stuff, which is, I think, they used to think is taboo. So how has Alba been impacted by the coronavirus shutdown? Kind of walk me through what happened just before and then after the shutdown. It's a big restaurant, so we're running about a restaurant about 40 to f- forty to 50 employees, full-time and part-time. And the fact, everything came as a shock to us because we we're fully operated as a restaurant. The busy season was just here, Valentine's Day. St. Patrick's Day, you have all these holidays, you have Kentucky Derby, you have Easter, you have Mother's Day, all this preparation we had, it's completely stopped, completely stopped. Most of our employees were very nervous about paying their bills. Most of our employees are very worried about what we're going to do, how we're going to survive. Uh, it was a really hard time because when you work in this business, you're not making a huge profit and a huge money, so you're basically living day to day. So a lot of people don't plan ahead on this stuff. So it was really hard for everybody. And me as an owner, I have most of my staff been there for 15, 17 years. I have people been there since I opened the restaurant. So it was kind of like made me feel like, what are we doing now? Where are we? What's our next step? And um, we didn't think it was going to be this long. And then what happened is we booked all the showers, baby showers, bridal showers, all the spring events happening, which has happened every year. We do between 40 to 50 a month. It's all canceled. Everybody panicking. Everybody's going crazy. So we just don't know what direction to go. So some of the reliefs we got from the government, the city of Quincy have became a huge, huge support to all our staff. They, they, they try to pay all the people who worked in the restaurants and Quincy pay their rent. So it helped a lot. We've been also doing takeout and trying to keep some of our staff busy so people can do a takeout at Alba and 20%. Instead of us making money, we give 20% to the staff. So in addition to that, a lot of people have supported them as well. So we have checks from everywhere, people sending to support our staff as well. And so are all the staff still employed? or do Yes, you- everybody's employed. We're creating a space between the tables. We're sanitizing everything, so we're getting ready to go open. And I'm going to train the staff. As a restaurant owner, we take a lot of pride of being clean and proud of what we do. But we also have a lot of you know, responsibilities to make sure people are safe. You know, sanitizing the restaurant and cleaning the restaurants has been always a thing. Not the, it's not the first time just because of coronavirus. Right. And when... The shutdown first started. How did you feel? What was your, you know, personal perspective on how you would maintain your restaurant? Honestly, honestly, I was speechless. I have no, I had no feeling for a couple of days. 
I, as a, as a leader of their restaurant, I didn't know what direction to go. I didn't understand what, you know, this thing is coming from. Why are we shutting off the country? Why are we shutting off all this stuff? So it was just like, I wanted to believe there's something I could answer, but I couldn't get the answer for it. I didn't understand why we closed, why we doing what we doing. So it took me about four or five days to calm down and relax and say, hey, this is what we have to do. With phase two reopening, how have you been preparing for the reopening? The best part of us, we have a roof deck. So we have about 7,000 square feet roof deck. So that's going to help us a lot. We'll probably run a little smaller menu at this point because when we closed the restaurant, we wasted a lot of food. We lost, a, we lost thousands of thousands of dollars in product we already had in the house. We would change the menu very according to a, a local fresh food as well as we change the menu, whatever is available. A lot of companies don't have a lot of product as well. We change the menu probably every week just to make sure we have fresh product in the house every week. I saw also that you, do you have a garden at your restaurant yes. as well? Uh, I grew up, I grew up in Albania. I grew up as a farmer and all my, well, I left when I was 20, but my passion was farms. And uh, I was very fortunate enough to expand my roof deck to a next, a next uh, store. I could just have some fresh tomatoes and fresh peppers and stuff like that. So I ended up expanding that to about four or 500 square feet. Last year, I had one of the greatest years ever. I had so many tomatoes. I had so many peppers, cucumbers. I had a lot of eggplants, and I do a lot of seasons like basil, thyme, and all that stuff. Oh, wow. And, and do you use all those ingredients in your food? Absolutely. All summer long. If you come up there, you have seen some of the best tomatoes you ever see. And I also bought some Albanian tomatoes from Albania. They're directly seeds from Albania. They're some of the most beautiful beefsteak tomatoes I've ever seen. And so how are you expecting to reorganize that outdoor space to be able to have people eat outside and social distance? Well, look, our roof deck total with that, with that whole space we have up there is about, about 8,000 square feet. So we took about 14, 1,500 square feet. We made it uh, a roof deck for uh, the garden. So the rest is a uh, small little bar. So we're, we, we're not going to use the bar. So we, we have a lot of seating. We should have about, I would say, probably about 60 to 80 seats every night up there. And what about for indoor dining? Are you also anticipating having indoor dining again? I would love to see that happening soon. I would love to see that happening soon because most of the restaurants in New England don't have an outdoor seating. So it's not about me. It's all about everyone around me. Because people are really having a hard time paying their bills. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Hey, listener. We want to hear from you. Do you have a dish you miss eating the most at a restaurant in the Boston area? Tell us about it. Record a one-minute voice memo or audio clip with your name, the name of the dish, and the restaurant that makes it, and what you miss most about it. Email the recording to us at thedishimiss at nbcuni.com, and we may use it in a future episode of the podcast.
It seems like coronavirus isn't the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome in your life. So can you talk about your experience escaping from Albania and bringing up to now of, you know, how you were able to eventually make a restaurant? Coronavirus is not comparison to anything, obviously, because we've been closed for three months, almost three months. But when I came to this country, I was um, a political refugee. I came, I was 21 years old, no English, no money. I was basically homeless. And I was lucky enough to st- go start working in the Anthony's BF4 uh, old Boston restaurant as a dishwasher. And, um, you know, at least I worked. That, that, that was not the scary part. Coming over was not the scary part. But dealing with this, and September 11, it was another time where I was working restaurant manager in Grill 23 in Boston, and then they said, well, they're going to lay out some people, and I was the last manager to get hired, and I'm like, wow, I'm about to lose my job. So, And I told my manager, my boss, I said, listen, I, I would love to uh, get a, someone else an opportunity because I'm going to open my own restaurant. And he says, are you crazy? How can you open a restaurant when is this what's going on? So obviously... I don't. I always feel like America always going to come back together, and I always feel people are really supportive of what you do as long as you do it right and you work hard and they appreciate the hard work. So I'm not worried about you know the future of the restaurant. I'm more worried about how people are going to feel about all this stuff after it's all over. And you know, obviously, we're dealing with coronavirus. How we know next year is not going to be another different virus. When you did decide to open the restaurant around the time of 9/11. You know what? What were the obstacles that you were dealing with? Like, why was it so hard to open a restaurant during that time? It was hard because everybody else was closing, and then you got to see yourself. How am I going to open? And when I was in, in the Quincy Square, the restaurant I bought was already closed. The people had a hard time coming in because, especially, there was a lot of things with gift cards. They would never buy a gift card from my restaurant because they said you're going to be closed in six months, just like everybody else. And it was just the staffing was not, uh, that was another problem because nobody was making money. The restaurant we opened the first two weeks, was nobody there. It was kind of like scary. And I'm saying, I said, what am I doing here? And we got very fortunate. Um, you know, people start talking about us. We, those days, there was no uh, social media as, as, as much as it is right now. But, you know, everything was word of mouth and people come start talking about it. And we got to the point where, and I was uh, I was a host, bartender, and a manager, and then I became the manager. I couldn't afford uh, paying anybody. I couldn't afford hiring anybody. So I had to do everything. I want to talk, if you don't mind, about what happened in Albania and how you were able to swim across the lake and, and tell me a little bit about that story. I was a young man. I was, a mili- I was in the military in Albania. During that time, I saw what was going on in Albania. People get killed and abused and all the propaganda and no freedom, no rights, no right to go to college, no right to go to school. Um, basically, it was a dictatorship. It's same. I'll compare. I watch videos just to remind myself where I come from. I go to on YouTube. I go to Inside North Korea. Some of the videos I, I enjoyed watching because it remind me when I was in Albania. The same thing, the same dictatorship, the same propaganda. America is the evil. America is the main country, the, the bad, the terrorist, whatever. So my family grew up in North Albania, and we always wanted to live somewhere else when we had a freedom. First of all, without insulting anybody, I, I'm, I was Christian in Albania. Most Albanians are Muslims, so you're not really welcome to do anything. I wasn't allowed to go to school. I wasn't allowed to do anything. 
So obviously, you're a farmer, you've just become a farmer, but farmer, you don't work for yourself, you work for the government. So you were told what to do and you told how much money, how much food you can eat and everything was given to you. There was no supermarkets, there was nothing. So it was the dark days of Albania. So when I decided I was going to escape from Albania, you had to think about what's going to happen to your family because what they do, they put them in the camps and, and they would torture your family. So most of the family members, most of the people who left Albania, the only thing they thought about was their own family members. So I decided to escape one night. There was some guy got shot in the border and then they would bring the body drunk. They would drag the body through the town with the wires and they would make the whole town spit on him. And that guy was one of my cousin's best friends. I remember, and I said, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm out of here. I just, I, I can't deal with these people. I can't kill them. I can't do anything about it. So uh, I'm going to escape. So I did escape that night. And the night I escaped, it was really difficult because a lot of people were killed that night too because I was just a young man. That's another story. I, I don't like to talk very much about it. It's just brings bad memories. But yeah, so I, I got lucky enough. I, I crossed the lake and... Uh, I became part of this helping place where the United Nations was, has created a camp to help the, the Albanian and Romanian refugees who were escaping from Romania in Albania in 1989. So I was lucky enough to get there. And when I got there, I got a help from a translator to ask questions, what country would I like to go? Um, I go to Australia, it was a free house. If I go to Canada, it was a free house. And if I came to the United States, I had to get sponsored by somebody. I said, I just want to go to the United States. So my dream as a family, my father's, my everyone in my family was to come to America. Actually, my father had been here twice before he passed away, and it was his dream to make to America. So our dreams came true, and I came over here in um, 1990, and since then, I've been working a couple of jobs and support me and my family. And now I have a wife and two kids and I'm living the American dream. <laughs> and was your family able to come over as well? My brother was supposed, my brother tried to escape and he got shot. My brother got to spend that time, a, a, almost a year in a jail, but he was shot. And when he was shot, he was shot in the belly. And, uh, and the guard and the, the border patrol there actually hit him a couple of times in the belly. So he was pretty hurt too. So my family always um, were happy I made it. But uh, it was very hard to make it here. Now I have, um, my wife is American and I'm American. I consider myself American because I choose to be American. I work two jobs. I, I supported my family back home till, till my parents passed away. I still do. And how did you decide on coming to Boston? Uh, Boston was, it was funny because I was living in New York for a while. I had a friend who called me up and said, hey, I, I, I'm, I live in Boston. Why don't you come and live up here? So I, I took the bus from, from New York to Boston thinking I'm going to get a job and everything. And my friend never showed up. So I was in St. James Street then where in Boston, that's where the bus station used to be. So I landed there. And when I landed there, I'm looking for my friend. And as I'm in the middle of the buildings, like thinking about it, I'm a kid from farms in Albania. We didn't even have a TV. We had a black and white TV in the middle of the city, skyscrapers, and what am I going, you know? Just like, uh, what's his name? Says, uh, what am, man, what am I doing here? We'll be right back with more from the interview. But we wanted to mention a few ways you can help the restaurant industry right now. The simplest is just ordering food for carryout or delivery. 
Many restaurants are still open in some form, and the Massachusetts Restaurant Association has a list of them at carryoutma.com. Lots of restaurants, even closed ones, are selling gift cards that help support staff who aren't working. Some places are holding raffles with prizes like drinks or a private dinner. Check your favorite restaurant's website or social media for details. And if you want to contribute to a wider effort, Off Their Plate uses donations to send meals to hospitals from local restaurants, which can then pay their employees. The volunteer organization began in Boston and works with Chef Jose Andres' World Central Kitchen. The Restaurant Strong Foundation, from Samuel Adams and the Greg Hill Foundation, is raising money across 20 states, including all of New England, to give restaurant workers grants. As of mid-June, both efforts say they've raised over $4 million. Okay, let's get back to our chat. Are you nervous for the reopening? How are you feeling? I'm more nervous about the staff because when you look at the staff right now, I, I look at it, they, they got a government check, they got a city check, they have uh, all this stuff. And if they come back on the payroll, they're going to lose all those benefits. If they go on 25%, 30%, they're not going to make the same money they're making right now. I'm wondering if they're going to come back to work. They're very nervous about it. They're not sure if they're going to make any money out of it. So obviously they need to pay bills. So if they're taking the benefits out of them, they'd rather stay with the benefits home. And are they worried about the safety of it also, you know, being uh, in No, no, no. They're not worried about the safety. Obviously, we have showed them what we're going to do for safety issues. They don't worry about the safety. They don't worry about the money. So you had plans to open another restaurant this spring, right? Yes, I'm actually I'm right, right over here right now in Hanover on Merchants Road, 2053 uh, Washington Street. What happened when coronavirus hit? What were your plans? When was it supposed to open and what happened? When process of designing the restaurant and the theme of the restaurant, when this all happened. So I just said, you know, it's going to be a couple of months and things will change around because obviously we talked about the state talked about opening April 18, if you remember. So I said, I should be in great shape because now I need two months to build three months to build a restaurant. I'm, I'm almost ready here and I'm ready to open. And now I'm looking all always, I'm looking at the timing. It seems to be okay for us right now because we have now a couple of weeks to open. So hopefully by that time, the dining room as well as the patio we have here as well will be open. And what is this restaurant going to be uh, in comparison to the, to the other Alba? Um, well, it depends what we're doing as well. Same thing as here as well. I mean, if we're allowed to do 25% or 50% or 75% of people in here, everything's going to change. This restaurant is going to open very slowly. It's not going to open as crazy as I usually love to open the restaurants where I have four or 500 people coming in and partying with us and thinking, thanking us for opening another restaurant neighborhood or, or, or appreciate what we do and trying to check us out. But I think we're going to go very slowly and open very, very calm, maybe 10, 15 tables and trying to make sure we're doing the right things. The menu is going to focus more like on um, seafood, local seafood and uh, prime steaks and um, also um, Homemade pasta. We do a lot of homemade pasta now. We're going to start doing a lot of homemade pasta. So more like a local uh, New England Italian steakhouse, I would say. More like a Mediterranean steakhouse. And, I, you know, I guess given all that you've been through, what, you know, what is your perspective on the shutdown? And how do you think people can persevere through all of these 
hard times. I didn't think we were ever going to open a restaurant again. I mean, I see a lot of my friends not open the restaurants, and it's kind of like heartbreaking. But I, I, I wasn't nervous about it. I, I just think, in the long run, we need to work. So if I, if I lost a restaurant, God forbid, I would have myself picked up a different trade in my life, and just because I'm meant to work. I, I have kids. I have to support my family. So no matter what, what direction I'm in. It's not the end of the world. We'll find something else to do. We'll find some better way to make a living. I'm not scared of this, but obviously there's always a way out of it. Being a restaurant owner, and I'm going to tell you uh, from my, my point of view, and I know a lot of restaurant owners feel the same way. Being a restaurant owner is not just opening doors and you know trying to save good food and trying to it's the it's the whole atmosphere it's the crowd it's it's that what you see in restaurant it's our addiction is crowds and fun and people are having good time and meeting their families and meeting people from out of town and when when you come to my restaurant and you have a friend who lives in la and says coming to boston and says i'm going to bring you to some great restaurant that's what makes us feel good the crowd uh, you know, holidays. And if we're taking this away, you're taking everything, all the fun part of restaurants away from us. So that's what I, I don't like, you know. I feel like past three months, we haven't been able to be ourselves. And I don't think just us. I think everyone around us. But but we'll get better. Yeah, hopefully it'll it'll get back to normal in whatever the new normal scenario is. But hopefully people will still continue to go and eat out. Because I know that that's been a fear. There's always going to be a fear of people not coming in. There's always going to be people complaining. There's always going to be that. But I'm sure in the, in the long run, six months from now, we're going to forget about this. I hope so. I really do. I hope so, too. I caught up with Leo a few days ago to hear about how his restaurant is doing now and if his new restaurant, Alba on 53, is on track for reopening. Here's part of that conversation. Phase two reopening has started. So um, both outdoor and indoor dining are back. And so I just wanted to hear a summary of what things have been like for you for the past month uh, since the last time we spoke and what has this new indoor-outdoor dining experience been like for you? We we got um, about 60, 70% of the staff back about 80% of them, some of them are still waiting to collect unemployment as well as free rent. But I guess the city of Quincy already stopped the free rent. So we're in better shape with the staff than I thought we were. And as far as business, we're about 75% there. We're doing about 70, 70, 80% of business. There's a little, a little, yeah, a little bit of a stress out with that, you know, the guidelines and, you know, trying to get people to uh, going up and down the stairs with the mask on to trying to keep an eye on the staff, trying to tell them, hey, you got to keep that mask on all the time, trying to be safe. So that's one of the things, you know, has been the, the challenge. And uh, also the guests, you know, trying to be a little bit more comfortable as well. It's been hard for a guest to feel comfortable knowing what's going on in the world. Yeah. So are you finding that more people are opting to sit on the outdoor area that you have, or are you finding that people are comfortable coming inside? I think people are more comfortable sit outside, way more comfortable sitting outside. Are you doing better business-wise, not having to just rely on takeout and delivery? Are you finding that you're having more customers? Absolutely. 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 Well, the, the, the idea of the business of uh, takeout was just to employ some people here. But financially, they make no sense for us because we are a high-end restaurant and our food costs is extremely high. So 
uh, food we use here, you, you can't make any money if you don't sell alcohol. So obviously we're not doing really good selling alcohol because you could buy a liquor store for probably cheaper. And so, you know, things worked out much better now when we open. Gotcha. And um, you had mentioned that you were in the process of reopening your new restaurant. It was the second yes. ALBA. So has that been postponed at all? Or are you still on track to open at the same time? We're looking about three weeks from now. Oh, wow. We're okay. looking about three weeks from now. So we're actually working right now. I have a crew of people painting right now, drywalling, finishing um, walls and ceiling and, and adding lighting and all that stuff. So we're looking about three weeks right now at this point. And what is that like opening up a new restaurant during a pandemic? You know, every restaurant owner knows one thing. When you want to open a restaurant, it's always going to be a zoo in the first two months because people want to try you out. But I think this might control a little bit the crowd, so it gives you a better, better time to just train staff and make sure you deliver the, what you're looking to do here much better. I think, I think it's okay. We have a little bit of an outdoor season here, too, as well, so. We should be okay. I don't want to be extremely busy for the next couple of months. I want to make sure I'm settled and ready to go. Come and visit us. We're on 2053 Washington Street in, in, in Hanover, uh, corner of uh, uh, 123 and 53. We also Alba open every single day from 4 to 10 um, and weekends from 12 to 10. Love to see you. Thank you for your support and we love you all. Well, thank you so much, Leo. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. All right, bye. To learn more about the Alba restaurants, visit albaquincy.com. That's A-L-B-A-Q-U-I-N-C-Y.com. Or check out their Facebook page for the latest COVID-19 updates. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Dish I Miss. If you like this one, please help other restaurant lovers find it by subscribing and giving it a review. Maybe even share it with someone you wish you could go out to dinner with today. If you want to get in touch, email us at thedishimiss at nbcuni.com. The Dish I Miss is produced at NBC10 Boston by me, Shira Stoll, with help from Avi Verbeck. Asher Klein is the executive producer. Special thanks to Mark Fortier, Mimi Siegel, Susan Tran, Jonathan Henry, and Rachel Cerati. For other news and weather updates, visit NBCBoston.com.